Hi, welcome to see episode five of Life in the Clouds with Dustin and Brittany, where we talk about enterprise technology. Today's podcast will be comparing and contrasting different cloud strategies versus data strategies in the enterprise and how sometimes they are looked upon as one and the same and sometimes looked upon as very different aspects of a company's overall strategy. So Dustin, do you want to kick us off with kind of holistically what you think cloud strategies are comprised of, maybe some basis of them. And then I can also kind of share with you some some underpinnings of, of how we view or how I view cloud strategies holistically here in 2019. Sure. So I would say that cloud strategy really fits into your overall technology or IT strategy as a whole. It's just a single piece of that. I think that not only do data and cloud strategies differ to the point that you made earlier, but also I separate out application strategies from data strategies. And I think that there are a couple nuanced differences and considerations that you have to make across your data, where you're going to keep your data, how you're going to persist that, how you're going to keep state, and how your applications deal with both the backend data side as well as the front end user side, wherever your users are. At the bottom line, fundamentally, anytime you're running a firm, any strategy that you implement has to be maximizing shareholder value at some level. Different companies focus on different time horizons, whether it be quarter to quarter, long-term strategy, quick revenue growth for some sort of exit through M&A. At the bottom line, there's a direct revenue outcomes, I think, is what should anchor your cloud strategy overall. So comparing what revenue it's going to get you versus what costs you're going to incur. That's a good point. So do you see both your application and data strategies as being part of your cloud strategy? Or do you see your cloud strategy as being more location environment based, infrastructure based, and then like all three of those strategies as equals? Like, is there any sort of hierarchy in your opinion as far as those three different strategies go? I would say that your application and data strategies are primary. They're number one, because your cloud strategy, you have to have a sound, robust data and application strategy, regardless of whether your infrastructure is on the cloud in a data center in some hypothetical new arrangement that's like post cloud, whether it's serverless or whether you loop that in or whatever. But I think you need to figure out, have some sort of North Star around the way that you're going to make tactical decisions along how and where you deal with data, as well as how and where you deal with applications and the boundaries where those interact. I think then your cloud strategy should reflect the fundamental aspects of both your data and your application strategies. Okay, that makes sense. So correlation is mainly that you kind of, you yourself think of application and data strategies first versus the environments in which those applications and data live. Right, and to give you an example, you decide that I like my firm prefers that we are able to deliver applications quickly uh, and and we're willing to sacrifice all else for that. You see that a lot with startups and uh, as enterprises are engaging in digital digital transformation shifts and things like that. But there are some environments where speed is not necessarily the ultimate outcome or even an intermediate outcome. The case with, this is somewhat of an extreme case with the uh, Boeing 737 MAX, right? That was a, uh, when you're designing 
designing software for things like airplanes or anything where a lot of medical software and equipment where you're putting human lives at risk. So you can't necessarily prefer speed, you prefer quality, robustness, and things like that. So that will, I think, drive how you define your cloud strategy based on that's just one element of you know, speed over quality, but there are many others facets that feed into your application data strategies. Yeah, so that's, that's a good point. So I think, you know, in each of these three different strategies, and, and to your point, I, I agree with you. I think I was looking more just at cloud and data strategies and kind of the comparison between those two, but I think you're right in looking at application strategies as a factor of that as well, and they're kind of all holistically merged. So let's kind of think through or talk about some business and technology drivers of each of these three different strategies, um, if that works for you. So I think application, you know, strategies is closer to you. So can you give me kind of the underpinning or maybe like three different categories or things that you really look at when you think about an application strategy? Yeah, and I would say that you can't really divorce application from data strategies because I, you know, I'm a believer that most of your applications should be relatively stateless and then your data stores are what holds the state of your applications for the most part, right? So That's fair. It's, uh, it's a little bit hard to to peel those apart. But I would say some things you look at, so taking application and data strategy is kind of you know, one, one whole thing. What you would look at is definitely once you've got your stress, so say you are speed to market, like how do you select both providers, partners, uh, infrastructure offerings, and software offerings, frankly, that enable you to quickly deliver uh, software, applications and data, both, right? Because if you deliver data without applications, you might have like the ability to generate some reports, but that's it. If you deliver applications without data, that's also almost as ineffective. So you've really got to have both and you've got to be able to have speed to safely deliver whole products as well as incremental updates to products. Yeah, so, so and I agree with you, but I think when I think of data strategies too, like my mind kind of goes to retention of data. Like right now in 2019, I think everyone is just trying to be as, borderline gluttonous as they can with their data lakes, right? They want almost every data source, everyone is seeing and you hear all of these different vendors saying, you know, data is the new currency. Um, there's this whole idea of, you know, analytics is now part of the ML groupings of, of how you look at things and kind of the standardization of, of how you do this. But I guess if you look just at data, how do we as, you know, an industry, how are we starting to govern that data in a better way? As, as such, like, we all know that most data is actually quite bad, right? The people that collect the data, maybe there isn't, you know, a complete consistency in how that data is collected, or that all this data is impure, or there has been kind of corruptions or mistakes made in data that, you know, people manufacture and so on and so forth. So I guess, how do we kind of put rigor towards our application and data strategies around pureness of data, and then also retention of the right data, in your opinion? Right, that's a good question. I think that anchors back to what you said is your North Star for your application and data strategy, because 
is. Yes, while objectively those may be problems, depending on the outcome you're looking for for your business, that may be okay to have not quite accurate data or gaps in data. So if you're delivering something, say you've got a fitness tracker app startup and you essentially initially don't want, don't really care about analytics in your app or your user base and you just want to essentially get as many people to download and install it and that's your main goal. Whether you have the correct underlying data, as long as that outcome is reached, it doesn't necessarily matter how pure your data or how robust or complete or accurate if you're reaching that goal in the first phase. At some point it will matter, but there are different firms and different companies that run that whole spectrum. So I don't necessarily see 100% bulletproof robust data. Like that's a trade-off that you're making. That costs money, that costs hours, that costs a lot of things in terms of complexity and ongoing spend. So what you need to do is evaluate how important that is to you and decide whether that's something that you care about. Yeah. And that's actually, that's an interesting statistic that I've never seen, right? Because I'm not quite sure how you quantify that is how many enterprises now, and, and I say enterprises rather than the startup example that you gave, because I think, you know, majority of enterprises now are doing quite deep analysis and analytics on the data that they have in order to make decisions on, you know, what they're doing in the future and how many of them are looking across these data sets and saying or rating how pure or how accurate that data is before they actually ask that data set questions. Like if you have a bad data set and then you ask it the right question, you're still going to get a bad answer, right? So fundamentally, it would be interesting to see in this kind of 2019 phase of being gluttonous and collecting as much data as you possibly can. Is that the most accurate way, in your opinion, of um, having a data source right now? It's just getting as much data as you can so that, you know, more can kind of normalize the purity, I guess, of these data sources. It's time to talk about our sponsor, G1 Consulting Group. G1 provides many services from software implementation to strategic business development. Their diverse team of consultants has experience across dozens of industries and companies. What sets G1 apart is its focus on cultivating a trusted partnership with their clients, ultimately sharing in outcomes and successes. If you have a project that's stuck or a new initiative that you're undertaking or need help exploring the business landscape, contact G1 Consulting Group. You can find them at www.g1cg.com. That's www.g1cg.com. Right. I mean, I definitely agree with you there that people like the data is not as clean as people assume. And that gets real dangerous when you start applying. You mentioned ML earlier. If you apply ML to questionable data sets, it's garbage in, garbage out. A lot of times I've said in different positions I've been in, you've got to walk before you run. You don't even need to worry about advanced reporting or analytics or anything like that until you know that your data is good. Attack your fundamental quality problems in data before you start building that robust stuff. If we assume that you're not in that startup, just collect whatever and focus more on outcomes. If you're um, more in the area of you do know that you need good, robust data because you want to start layering on top of it, it's like building a house of cards. If you've got questionable data collection, questionable data points, unknown accuracy, you can't start doing any second derivative. I mean, you can, but they'll be way off and inform bad decisions if your underlying data isn't robust. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I mean, I guess just off the cuff, 
have like how are how do you improve the purity of your data if you are an enterprise that has been you know let's say you're a 25 year old company let's even think of okay let's think of like coca-cola or one of the big brands that has been around forever they have tons of data how do you know whether all of that data is good and that they're asking the right questions like what are some of the rigor or um, i guess process improvements that you can put in place on that data in your opinion you've got to really go to the source of what generates the fundamental data because in a lot of enterprise data warehouses things have been extracted, transformed, and loaded so many times that you're usually fairly far removed from the actual underlying data element themselves. Actually deploying hardware devices where you can collect the data from the field where you can rather than manually recording it. You know, a lot of companies still use pen and paper on factory lines and things like that. And I don't want to use IoT because this machine data collection has been around way longer than the term IoT has. Some sort of, some monitoring apparatus in the field that you know is well-tested, provides accurate, comprehensive data sets to feed that fundamental analysis. And then your periodic monitoring and checking to make sure that what you validated as good to begin with is accurate. And then always be driving to the people who are responsible for the functional area are generally best informed about the um, how good or how accurate the data reflects, whether it's uh, an operational process or a financial algorithm or something like that. And have them review and removing the any kind of manual processing that people are do, doing in uh, offline databases or scripts or text files or spreadsheets or things like that. Moving that into systematic data collection so that you can correct things and inaccuracies once rather than having to rely on individual people to manually update and know things. Yeah, and I think that's, a, that's an interesting point. I think a lot of times when we talk about cloud strategies, one of the things that comes up is the risks around regulation and compliance. And, you know, there has been all these different regulations kind of put forward, especially in the EU, but we haven't seen that a lot here in the Americas. And I wonder, just as far as regulation goes, my understanding is that, you know, this this idea of purity of data is actually kind of a fundamental challenge that we're all having right now. And so is there kind of a retention schedule that you should be able to show the purity of that data in order to be able to keep it kind of going forward or again these are just kind of pie in the sky ideas around data but it does all kind of relate to your application and data strategy is you know how how good is that data that you're putting in and are you keeping maybe older data that you think is good but you don't really fundamentally know and and where is that line yeah and I mean that plays in directly to the strategy retention is a key component of your data strategy because if you say that you're keeping data for say seven years then anything that you have in seven years is generally admissible to court proceedings whether it be an external firm suing you employee EEOC type suits and then if you have gaps in those data within your retention period you're gonna lose that battle right and that's that's a big problem so it's not necessarily there's not a silver bullet answer to say you should retain your data for x number of years but You've got to be accurate and I would always err on the side of as limited retention as you can because um, that's a trade-off that you make. The longer you keep it, the more you may be able to apply future innovations to previous data sets and learn more about your firm, your customer base, whatever 
whatever those data represent. But on the flip side, you have to deal with one, the creep factor, and then two, having to deal with that information being subpoenaed at some point for if you've got it since the company's life retention policy, you could be try having to retain things and go back 20 years, 50 years, whatever it is over time. And when you say creep factor, you mean like scope creep of, of what it is as opposed to like a creepy man kind of. <laughs> Actually, no, more, more of the creepy man. Like if I walk into a mall or something like that, generally everything that you do, somebody knows where you are and exactly what you're doing. And they probably know for the most part what you're likely going to do next. So the data that drives all that decisions and like the, just the fact that some firm somewhere has all of your information is generally like regarded as creepy. So that's what I'm referring to is that okay. companies have the data and can use it to essentially spy on you if they if they want to, not directly through tapping your phone or, or or watching you on a camera, but they could make inferences about your decision patterns and future buying habits. Like the classic example is a few years ago, Target started some level of data analysis program with their couponing and ended up sending coupons to a teenager who was pregnant that she hadn't told her family yet. And Target was sending like the baby guides to the house, which ended up causing her to have to tell her parents that yes, she was pregnant. So then Target got in a little bit of hot water because their uh, their data analytics was a little bit too accurate in that case. Wow, I um, hadn't heard of that case. That is kind no. of crazy. Well, the, and their solve for that was instead of just sending the baby stuff, they also send now like a randomized other assortment of coupons so that it doesn't look like oh. they're... <laughs> yeah. right. Crowded. So that that's creepy, right? That, yeah, like that's I think true. most people would say that's definitely crossing the line is sending you coupons to let other people know that you're pregnant when you haven't necessarily let those people people know yourself. Yeah. Um, but is it okay if you're like getting a package of deals and it's targeted advertising, like I buy stuff off of my Instagram feed that I'm like, oh my goodness, I never would have known this was existed. And this is the perfect thing for me. Yeah. Side note, he's really looking into wedding band rings right now because <laughs> we're getting married in October. And yeah, he has pretty much every athletic wedding band company after him on Instagram. So it's true. Um, it's true. That's pretty funny. No, it's true. And I think, you know, and, and that goes into the whole like, like data clarity, data purity, data retention. I think the other kind of aspect too that really um, and and more so ties into your cloud strategy is really how that data is or where it is located as far as whether it's you know in a, a data store or in a database, right? Like the decoupling of databases from applications is actually a key challenge, especially in more cloud strategies and moving different applications around from that cloud strategy. So do you want to shift gears a little bit and kind of give your insights as far as how you look at your application strategy as it pertains to databases now and utilizing different databases. Yeah, and I can do it in the context of cloud too, right? So yeah. the data gravity problem in the cloud is a hard one. Applications, I would say in the cloud, just because they're stateless and because as a cloud native design practice, you try to make them movable through Docker is a fairly standard interface now. So a lot of your configuration files can live with code and you can run a Docker container on almost any cloud and build pack based deployment systems like Heroku, App Engine, Cloud Foundry, you can just designate your build pack and go in any environment. But data is definitely a problem because it's typically a lot heavier weight. You've got 
potentially a large part, if not your entire data warehouse on some set of infrastructure. And it is very, very costly to move that, especially if you're doing it across the network, which is why you see somewhat silly products like um, what like snowmobile or like the truck that will pull up. Oh, and snowball. Snowball. Yeah. <laughs> snowball, yeah. Whatever the things where they will physically show up at your place and download your data into a hard drive rather than send it over the network. And that's where like Equinix and other companies that do dedicated data lines make a lot of their money. Uh, and, you know, once you get your data into a cloud provider or even frankly your data center, it's hard to move those data elsewhere, right? It's hard to move it to a different infrastructure. That should be fun. Well, looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Brittany and Dustin signing off of Life in the Clouds. Have a great week.